how do we pray? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you just don't know how to pray? Maybe it's a, uh, maybe you're, you're in an e-kids group and the leader say, let's pray together. Would anyone like to say a prayer? And you think, oh, I just, I just don't know what to pray. Or maybe you're in a growth group and you feel like that. You're praying. You think, I should really pray about this. I just don't know what to pray. Maybe there's a time when you're facing a particular situation and you just think, I don't know what to pray about this. I remember a number of years ago, um, I was talking through a particular issue with, with my wife, Gemma, and uh, we thought, oh, we should pray about this. And so I went to pray and I thought, I don't know what to pray. My mind went blank. But then I remembered, hang on a minute, Jesus taught us how to pray. Jesus taught us how to pray so that we will always know what to pray. And my mind went back to this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Um, The disciples, we're told, asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Presumably they didn't always know what to pray either, but they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, and so Jesus taught them this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Now, as Joel read it, you may have noticed that it it sounded a little bit different from how we we often hear it it said. Uh, We sometimes say the Lord's Prayer all together, and it's a bit different from what we had on the screen. And that's because Jesus taught this prayer to his disciples on at least two different occasions. He may have well have taught it to his disciples on many other different occasions as well. Um, But there was one occasion recorded in Matthew's Gospel when he was preaching a sermon on a mountain, and he taught them this prayer as part of that. But this is a different occasion when his disciples actually came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them this prayer. And so he taught them slightly different versions. And I think what that means and shows us is that actually it's not actually the wording of these prayers that matters. But rather what Jesus is teaching us is how to pray. What kinds of things should we be praying for? What can we ask God for? And so as we look at this prayer together, there are some lessons that we can learn. Now, there are different ways that we can use this prayer, different things we can learn from it. One way that we often use it is to see it as different kind of categories of things that we can pray for. And that's how we're going to use it towards the end of the service. Helen's going to come and lead us in our prayers, and she's going to talk us through it, walk us through it like that, using it as different categories of things to pray for. But I'd like to think of it this morning as how we can use this prayer when we face one particular situation where we need God's help and we're not sure what to pray for. Now, for us to to do that, I'd like us each to try and think of one situation that we might face where we need God's help. We'll all have situations where we need God's help. Can each of us try and think of one situation? Now, um, parents, if you've got children with you, you might need to help them with this. Maybe there's something that you could choose that you can be praying for as a family, one situation that you can pray for. So just take a moment to think of one situation where you need God's help and parents, if you, you can talk to your children about that as well. Or uh, adults, if you're near a child, you can talk to them about that. Just take one minute. Okay, so hopefully we've got one situation that we can have in mind. And as we think about um, what Jesus is teaching us about how to pray here. I have six headings this morning, which sounds like an awful lot, doesn't it? And you might think, that, what's the point of having six headings? You're never going to remember them all. Actually, I think you will remember these six because, actually, I think most of you probably already, already have memorized them. And if you're not sure, then um, Cliff Richard has actually put my six sermon headings to music. So if you, you look up Millennium Prayer after the service, then you'll be able to remember these six headings. But that, it's basically just the Lord's Prayer from Luke's Gospel. So firstly, then, here's our first heading. Father. Father. 
When we come to pray, who is it that we are praying to? Well, Jesus tells us that if we're Christians, if we're following him, then we are praying to our Father. And if God is our Father, what does that say about us? Who are we when we are coming to pray? Well, we are his children. We come to pray to God as his sons and daughters. Isn't that an amazing thing? That when we come to pray to God, we are praying to our Father. We're praying to our heavenly dads. It's an amazing thing. In the Old Testament, the people weren't really encouraged to, to talk about God like that. They sometimes spoke about God being the father of the nation. But Jesus says that as Christians, we can know God as our father. We can each call God father. And that's who we're praying to when we come to pray. We're not praying to someone who doesn't care about us. We're not praying to someone who doesn't like us. We're not praying to someone who we've got to kind of twist their arm or beg them or plead with them to help us. We're praying to our father who loves us. We're coming to him because we are his children. I think sometimes adults, we can find this a bit difficult. Um, um, I think when you're a child, you know that you need help. You know that there are lots of things you can't do by yourself and you need help. And the person you need to ask when you need help is your mum or your dad. Because that's kind of, that's the right order of things, isn't it? You ask your parents for help. That's kind of what they're there for. It's the right way, the right way of things. But as we get older and we become adults, we start to become a bit more independent. We start to see ourselves as being equal to others. And, and we need to be independent. We need to look after ourselves. And even asking our parents for things when we're adults can feel a bit awkward because I should be independent and I'm, I'm kind of equal to them. We're all adults now. And sometimes we can feel a bit like that approaching God, as if we're almost as if we're equal to him and we should be able to sort things out ourselves. But we need to remember we are not equal to God. He is, he is the one who is all-powerful, the one who created the universe, and we need help. We're his creatures. We're his children, and he is our father, and it's absolutely right and proper that we should come to him and ask for help. It's good for us to ask him for help. So think about that situation uh, that you chose earlier, that situation where you know you need to ask God's help. Do you realize that when you come to God to ask him for help, you are coming to your father, you're coming to your dad? You're not coming to someone who doesn't care about you, so you can ask him and come to him confidently. So that's the first heading, Father. Second heading, hallowed be your name. Helen showed me a video recently of a child who insisted that God's name is Harold. Um, and when the child was asked by their parents, How, what, what, where's this coming from? What's made you think that God's name is Harold? The child said, well, it says, doesn't it? Harold, be your name. Well, that's not what it says. It says, hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed is a bit of a funny word. And I was tempted to kind of use a different version, use a different word. But actually, when we hear the Lord's Prayer said most of the time, that's the word that's used, isn't it? Hallowed be your name. So we just need to understand what it means. And it means that God's name will be kept holy. In other words, that people will realize how special God is and will worship and praise him. When we say, hallowed be your name, we're praying that people will realize how special God is and we'll worship and praise him. We're praying that for ourselves, and we're praying that for others as well. Now, it's interesting that that's the first thing Jesus tells us to pray, isn't it? Because that's not what I would have thought would have been the first thing I would have instinctively prayed for. 
But actually, this helps us to see what it is that really matters, what it is that's really important. It resets our priorities when we come to pray. Because actually, what matters most is that people realize how special God is and that they praise and worship him. And you know, the fact that God is our Father, the fact that we belong to him as we've been singing, means that actually we share in his glory. When people realize how special he is, that's, that's good for his people as well. What matters most in any situation is that people realize how special God is, how wonderful he is, and that they um, praise and worship him. And it's good the Lord's Prayer encourages us to look for that first and to pray for that first. So think about that situation that you've chosen. What is it that matters most in that situation? What matters most is that somehow, through that situation, you will come to realize how special God is and praise and worship him, and that others in that situation will come to realize how special God is and praise and worship him, that his name will be hallowed. Hallowed be your name. And then thirdly, Jesus says... Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. God's kingdom is God's perfect rule. Wherever people are obeying God, wherever they are following God, that is where God's kingdom is at work. And Jesus is God's king. So when we pray for God's kingdom to come, well, we're kind of praying two things. We're praying, first of all, we're praying for people to have Jesus as king and to follow him and to obey him. That's what, how God's kingdom will spread. But more than that, what we're really praying for is for Jesus to come back and to rule over his world. Because that's when God's kingdom will fully and truly come. And you know, actually, this is the only real solution to the problems that we face in the world. Ultimately, the only thing that's going to sort out our world is for people to follow and trust in Jesus and for Jesus to return. So we might pray about a problem with our health, and it might be that we recover from our health. But what we really need, the real solution that we need, is for Jesus to come and abolish death and give us brand new resurrection bodies. We might pray for wars. We should pray for wars to end. We want to pray for peace. But of course, as soon as one war ends, another war starts because sinful human beings are ruling this world. What we really need is for Jesus to come back and to take over the running of this world. We might pray for problems at school or problems that we're facing at work, but what we really need, and it's good to pray for those things and, and God may uh, help us through those things, but what we really need is to follow Jesus, to trust in him, to wait for him to return. Almost the last words in the Bible, not quite, but almost the last words in the Bible are, are a, a prayer that Christians have been praying for 2,000 years. Come quickly, Lord. Lord, we want Jesus to come back. We want your kingdom to come. And and everything else is really just a sticking plaster over our problems until Jesus comes and reigns in our worlds. What we need is for Jesus' kingdom to come. And so think about your situation, that situation that you've chosen. As you pray for that situation, pray that you will be living with Jesus as your king. Pray that somehow through that situation, others will be living with Jesus as their king. That's what we really need. And pray and look forward to the day when Jesus will come back and put everything right. Pray that he will come quickly. Your kingdom come. 
That's the first three things. We're going to take a pause. We're going to sing a song. But just to say, um, these are things that, that Jesus encourages us to be praying for. It doesn't necessarily mean that we always have to pray in this exact order. Sometimes you look at the Psalms, you find that they go straight in with the thing that's bothering them. And we can do that. You know, when we've got something on our hearts and it's really bothering us, we can just come to the Lord and, and, and bring it to him straight away. But these are things that we should be regularly praying as part of our prayers. Pray. Remember that we're always praying to our Father who loves us. Pray that God's uh, uh, name will be hallowed. Hallowed be your name. Pray that his kingdom will come. Okay, so we have thought about how do we pray? We pray to God who is our Father who loves us. We pray that people will realize how special he is and praise and worship him. We pray that his kingdom will come. Um, Jesus then tells us to pray, give us each day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. He's saying, ask God for what you need. Ask God for what you need. Daily bread is just a way of saying what we need. Ask God for what we need. But it's, it's daily. He's encouraging us to ask us, uh, God to give us enough for today. Why, why is that? Why can't we just pray, dear God, please give me everything I need for the rest of my life. Amen. Well, it's because God is our Father. We are his children. We are in a relationship with him. So we don't just speak to him once and that will do. We're encouraged to come to him every day and ask him for what we need. To come back tomorrow for what we need tomorrow. To trust him for one day at a time. Now I think it's really significant that this comes as, the, as our fourth heading um, rather than, uh, rather than uh, later on in, in the prayer. Um, it's not the first thing, because there, there are other things that we need to have our priority. We need to pray first for God's name to be honoured, but it also doesn't come later. You see, I think sometimes, well, so, maybe it's just me, but sometimes when I come before God, I know that I've done things that are wrong. And I think that surely, if I've done things that are wrong, things that displease God, then surely I can't just come to God and start asking him for things. Surely the first thing I need to do is I need to confess the wrong things that I've done and ask him for forgiveness. But actually Jesus says, tells us to pray, give us each day our daily bread before we pray, forgive us our sins. And I think the reason for that is that we are already forgiven. When we're we're not trusting Jesus, if we're not trusting Jesus, then the big problem that we have is that we need to ask God to forgive us our sins. That's a big barrier between us and and him. But once we trust in Jesus, we are forgiven. That barrier is no longer there. And therefore we can come before God. We don't come before God as sinners anymore. We come before God as his children. And so we can always come before God and ask him for his help. Now, we still do things that are wrong and we still do need to ask God's forgiveness, which is what Jesus tells us to do next. But we don't come before God as sinners with this big barrier between us anymore. We come before God as his children and we can always ask him for help. But one question I sometimes have, and maybe you have as well, is how do we know what is enough for, what are the things that we need for today and what are just things that we want? How do, we, how do we work that out? What is the things that we need? What is it okay to pray for? And, and, and what are the things that we just want? How can we uh, understand that? Well, Psalm 62 verse 8 says this. Trust in him at all times, O people. 
Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Pour out your heart before him. We're invited, we're encouraged to just say what is on our heart. I don't think we need to worry too much about whether we're praying for the right things or the wrong things, whether we're praying for what we need or what we want. God encourages us to just pour out our hearts before him. He can work out what we need. He can work out what is our daily bread. He knows. We, we are encouraged to just speak to God and pour out our heart before, before him. I'm always... Um, Fascinated by, by Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was about to face the cross? Do you remember what he prayed? He prayed, Father, if it's possible for this cup to be taken from me. In other words, if it's possible for me not to go through the cross, please make that happen. Which is an incredible thing for Jesus to pray because he knew full well that he had to go through the cross. That's why he had come. So why did he pray for something that he knew God wasn't going to do? Well, I think he was just pouring out his heart before his father. He was saying what was on his heart. And of course, he followed it up by saying, not my will, but your will be done. And I think uh, in this, I mean, we'll, we'll never face that situation, will we? But in the same way, we can just pour out our hearts before the Lord. We don't have to worry about whether we're saying the right thing or not. God is our father. Uh, as, as long as we're willing to say your will be done, not my will be done. So think about your situation. Think about that situation that you had in mind. What do you need for today in that situation? You can pray for that thing. And if you're not really sure, I'm not sure what I need or whether it's the right thing to ask, well, just pour out your heart. Ask God for anything. Pour out your heart before him. Give us each day our daily bread. Then Jesus does say to us, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. When we pray to God, we should ask God to forgive us for the wrong things that we've done. And as we said, we don't, um, those things, we've already been forgiven, we're already his children, but we need to keep asking God to forgive us for the wrong things that we've done. And he promises us, he promises us that he will forgive us because of Jesus' death on the cross. But you may have noticed that this is actually quite a long point, it only just fits on the screen. It's the longest of all the points. Um, and forgive us our sins as we for ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us. It's quite a mouthful, actually. And, and you may think, well, hang on a minute, why is this point so long? Because if you compare uh, the prayer that Jesus is teaching here to the one that he teaches in Matthew's Gospel, what you find is that here he has shortened almost every part. So here, he, in Matthew's Gospel, he says, Our Father in heaven. In this version, he just says, Father. In Matthew's Gospel, he says, um, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In this version, he just says, your will be done. So why has he not shortened this bit? He could have just said, and forgives our sins, and left it at that. Why has he left it um, in the longer form? Well, presumably, it's because this point can't be shortened. This point can't be shortened, because forgiveness of others is absolutely key, is a key part of this prayer. And, and the reason for that is that if we truly understand how much we have sinned against God and how serious our sin against God is, that is far greater than any of the ways that other people sin against us. If we truly understand that, then we will be forgiving others as well. If we're not forgiving others, it suggests we're not really, haven't really understood what we're asking of God when we ask Him to forgive us. And so Jesus repeatedly says that these things go together. That to truly come before God and ask for his forgiveness 
uh, means, if we've really understood that, we will be open to forgiving others. Now, forgiving others can be really hard, particularly when we've been very badly hurt, and particularly when people haven't necessarily said sorry for the wrong things that they've done. What does it mean? It's a big topic. Uh, we can only just, uh, let me just say three things I think that it does mean, though. Firstly, it means when we're forgiving others, it means don't try to hurt people who have hurt us. So when people have hurt us, we don't try to hurt them back. We don't deliberately do things in order to hurt them. Secondly, it means that we fight bitterness or resentment in our hearts or hatred in our hearts whenever we see that there. When people hurt us, it's natural that we we have a bitterness or resentment to them. But if we're seeking to forgive them, then we're trying to turn away from that. Every day, whenever we see that in our hearts, we say, no, that's not right. I'm going to turn away from that. I'm not going to be bitter and resentful. I'm going to fight that. And it means, thirdly, I think, being open to the process of reconciliation where that is possible. That can take time. It can be a process. It's not something that happens straight away. And it's not always possible. But it means at least being open to a process of reconciliation where that's possible. So we ask God to forgive us for the wrong things that we've done. And we need to be forgiving others for the things they've done against us as well. So just think about your situation, the situation you thought. Uh, are there ways that you know that in this situation you've not done right, you've sinned against God, and you need to ask for his forgiveness? And are there people that you need to forgive in that situation as well? Finally, the, the, the sixth point, sixth heading. Jesus t- uh, encourages us to pray and lead us not into temptation. And this is a reminder at the end of the prayer, again, of what matters. Because we want to be people who are living God's way. We want to be people who keep following Jesus, even when the situation that we're going through is hard. We don't want to let the devil uh, take us away, lead us astray, or, or let us fall into sin. And so we need to ask for God's help in that, that we will not be led into temptation, that the devil will not... Um, be successful in causing us to stop following Jesus or in causing us to sin. We don't want to be led into temptation, so we pray, lead us not into temptation. So think again about your situation. Is there a danger that you might be led astray, that you might be led to stop following Jesus or, or to go in, uh, led into some kind of sin? Well, pray and ask God that he will protect you and that you won't fall into sin, but you will live in a way that honors him. Okay. We pray to God who is our Father. We pray that in this situation that his name, he, he will be honored. People will realize how special he is and will praise and worship him. We pray that we'll live as Jesus as our King. We pray that he'll give us what we need. We pray that he'll forgive us for the wrong things that we've done as we forgive others who've sinned against us. And we pray that God, uh, that we will not be led into temptation. That's how we pray. So what should we do now then? I think we need to pray, don't we? So let's take a moment to um, pray uh, either by yourselves or maybe in families, um, if you've got children nearby, to think through those uh, six points. I think they're coming up on the screen. I think we have a side with the Lord's Prayer there. To pray through those um, about that situation we've been thinking through. So let's, all of us, we can pray together by ourselves. Amen.